0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer, and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon, and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Let's, uh, let's pray, and I'll, I'll come into the message. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the gifts that you have given to the church And uh, one of the greatest gifts is simply that you draw people into this body uh, who can serve well, who can lead well, who can uh, teach and instruct and bring their their passion and their talent and their time and their resources uh, to just encouraging and building up this body. We are so grateful, Father, uh, for the way you move and work amongst us. We pray for the message this morning. I pray, Father, that it would be an encouragement to our hearts. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking to us in this place today. That we would um, just have a strong sense of fellowship in the Spirit today; that we would be drawn together in love and in unity. And we pray this in Your name, Jesus. Amen. So again, I just want to reiterate how grateful I am to those of you who work so hard in so many different uh, ministry areas in the church. And I know even in that video, uh, I think we we actually missed a couple of of areas where we have leadership going on. And I'm going to try and touch on those later in the sermon, but. I just want to thank you. This church is an excellent place to serve. You're an incredibly generous and understanding church family, and I have just been so uh, grateful and encouraged to see so many of you using your gifts and your talents and your passion and your resources uh, to serve one another in this church family. So I just want to take a moment here to just let you know how much I appreciate you as a church family, Uh, because as a pastoral staff, we are incredibly blessed to have so many of you serving one another. And I should note that isn't always the case. In my, I was doing some research for, um, actually this is research I did a long time ago when I was doing a series on spiritual gifts, but I was looking at some statistics on pastoral burnout and expectations from churches that cause pastors to burn out from stress and overwork. And I just want to give you some of the statistics of surveys done by Focus on the Family and Fuller Theological Seminary said, they said, this was before COVID, by the way, they said 90% of pastors feel inadequately trained to deal with the demands of ministry. 80% say the ministry has a negative impact on their family. 45% have experienced depression or burnout to the extent that they need to take an extended leave of absence. 40% have a serious conflict with a church member once a month, and 70% do not have someone that they consider a close friend. And This was a fairly robust survey done uh, across thousands of different pastors responded, and so I I take these statistics, uh, I see them as fairly accurate. And those statistics um, are really concerning, but it also leads me to be so grateful to be serving here in this church where I don't feel this pressure to perform and, and where so many of you are serving right alongside the pastoral staff. I just don't sense that our pastoral staff is in this place of, of burnout and overwork and stress. And so I just want to say thank you again to this church family. Thank you so much. Yeah. But as I look at these statistics, I, I do know that we live in a culture Our culture is a consumer-driven and hyper-individualistic culture, and that's where I think some of these unreasonable demands can come from, Uh, these unreasonable demands on pastors and pastoral staff. So what I want to do today is just keep going in our our series, in the letter to the Ephesian church, where Paul is encouraging us to, to keep on modeling this church worship and fellowship that's in Scripture, where we serve one another with the gifts that we've been given with all humility and love. The model of the church family life that's presented to us in Scripture, it calls us all, all of us, a royal priesthood. We are all royal priests in the kingdom of God. We're living stones in the spiritual temple. And so the scriptural model of the church family uh, affirms that we are all called and all equipped to work with and for one another as the Lord leads and gives spiritual gifts to his people. and. My own theory as to why, you know, some ministry tends to be so hard on pastors like we saw in that, the statistics of that survey is because sometimes the church is structured in a way that's not consistent with how the church was meant to be structured. John Stott wrote this. He said, one of the most crippling ideas to infiltrate the church over the centuries is that there is some special class of Christians called clergy who do the ministry while the rest of the church sits back and lets them do it. Listen, I I deeply love the church, and I don't mean just this church, I deeply love this church, but I deeply love the church of Jesus as a whole across the globe. And I believe that the church is the place where people, God's people are going to grow in knowledge and also grow in understanding of of using the spiritual gifts they've been given. Because scripture affirms that each one of us who belong to Jesus have been given a gift or gifts to serve one another, And Scripture affirms that each one of us has been created anew in Christ to do the good works that God called us to do. Paul puts it like this in Corinthians. He says, there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so I know that Scripture tells us we all have a gift, we all have a place to serve. We all have a job that we get to do. It's not an obligation or, a, or something that's heavy on us, but is a joy uh, to serve in the way we've been created to serve. But with this knowledge that we've all been given gifts, for, for a lot of years, actually, I've been a little bit unsettled as I think about the modern church and, and how we structure our programs and services. And, and this has been going on for a lot of years because I wonder to myself am I doing my job properly? Am I structuring the church in such a way that all the gifts of the Spirit are being used and where opportunity to do good works are done? Or am I facilitating and perpetuating that consumeristic church model which robs people of the opportunity to use their gifts to serve the body? These are questions I actually think about a lot. And it started to actually come up about, I think it was about 10 years ago, at one of my very first district conferences. And I remember our district superintendent showing us a series of slides where they were tracking the health and effectiveness of all the churches in our district. There's about 113 churches in Alberta and the Northwest Territory. And at first, at first, when he put the slides up, they seemed really encouraging. It, all the churches were doing incredibly well financially. All, almost all churches were reporting more income from giving. They, they had more financial health. This, in turn, led to more staff being hired. We had more pastors working in our district at that time than I think at any other time. So we had more money. We had more full-time staff. Attendance was somewhat plateaued, but was incrementally Increasing. So we had higher attendance on Sunday mornings than at any other time. Yet, as he got into the slides, we saw that as money increased and as staffing increased and as attendance increased, our number of baptisms per year decreased. And our professions of faith per year decreased. So with more money, more staff, and a higher Sunday attendance, we were actually losing ground in the two most important metrics And so I actually came away from that district conference thinking, I started to really question whether we were doing a good job at discipleship. Were we really equipping the saints for works of service, or were we just focused on putting on a good Sunday morning production? These are important questions to ask. And I was thinking to myself, I think we so often reduce discipleship to simply knowing the right stuff and learning the right stuff. But what we see in Scripture is that the process of discipleship involves a time where we call people to use their gifts and their talents that they've been given, to call them to serve in the way God has called them to serve. And so I've started to say, you know, we really need to start thinking about disciples as more of apprentices. And if you think about an apprentice who's learning, uh, you know, to be an electrician or learning to be a plumber or learning to be a mechanic, um, they don't just stick in the classroom all the time and just keep on going to class all the time. There's a time when they learn the knowledge, but an apprentice doesn't just sit and continue to accumulate knowledge. There comes a time when you, what you learned in the classroom now has to be applied in real life. And at first, you're heavily supervised as people watch what you do and correct what you do and give you tips and tricks as to how to do it better. But over time, you gain experience to not only be able to do the job on your own, but then to also teach others how to do it. And isn't that the model that Jesus had with his disciples? They, they heard him teach. And then because they were his disciples, sometimes they would be able to go and ask him, Master, what did you mean when you said this? And he would explain to them a little bit deeper what he meant. And they observed as Jesus would heal the sick and cast out demons and proclaim that the kingdom of God has arrived. And then after some time, we read this. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And Jesus does the same thing with the group of 72 disciples. He sends them out to do the work that he has been doing. And what we learn from these passages and then tie it together with some of the other things Jesus says, like when he says, as I have been sent into the world, so I'm sending you into the world. And in John 14, 12, where Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I have done and pair it with the great commission where he says, go to the ends of the earth, making disciples, teaching them to obey me. What we learn is that discipleship involves doing what Jesus did. Right? It's you learn, you observe, you do. And then as you start to learn and observe and do, you become competent enough to teach others to do what Jesus has called you to do. So discipleship is not just believing a set of faith statements. It's recognizing you were created anew in Christ Jesus as God's masterpiece to do the good works that he had planned for you from long ago. We see the apostles Paul and Peter, the leaders of the early church, affirming that every believer in Jesus is given a spiritual gift to serve the body of believers. There is a sense that both Peter and Paul uh, see the gifts of the people of God as essential to the health, the well-being, and the growth of the church. Like each one of you needs to serve the body that you've been called to. That's how the church is going to be healthy and how it's going to grow And again, as I said, in this church, we have a huge amount of you using your gifts and you're serving in various capacities. And again, I am so, so grateful. Thank you for all the ways that you serve in this church. We saw it listed on the video screen. In kids' church, worship teams, sound and media tech, coffee setup, ushers, greeters, kitchen teams, prayer teams, volunteer coordinators, small group leaders, men's and women's ministry leaders, youth leaders, prayer ministry teams. There's just so many of you serving in this church. And again, thank you, because we cannot exist without you. So much of the strength of Cochrane Alliance Church is because of you. It's because you choose to serve this body. And I am so grateful. And then I want to thank all of you who serve outside this church in your neighborhoods and in different places around our community, for those of you who are making connections with your neighbors and serving with helping hands or with other service organizations, the food bank or wherever it is that God's calling you, just using your gifts and your talents to do good work, thank you for serving outside the walls of this church and being present in your community. And what I wanna do today is just encourage you to continue serving as you are able. But I hope to encourage us to keep moving in this direction of serving one another with all the gifts and the passions that we have been given and to recognize that we are all royal priests in the family of God. So I'm gonna turn to the first verse of our our passage today. It's in Ephesians chapter four. And I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation uh, because I think that they get the first part of the translation uh, right. (laughs) Not that other ones get it wrong, but they make it a little bit more confusing than it needs to be. So, It says, he, that's Jesus, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So one of the things we could ask is, why does Paul equate Christ's descent Right? He's talking, speaking of Jesus being made man and living on earth, the incarnation of Jesus with the ascension and the giving of gifts. So first we should know that, that Paul in verse 8 there where it says that he descended, he's quoting, it's actually in the, um, the highlighted part, he's quoting from Psalm 68. And, and this relates to Christ's triumph and victory, and Psalm 68 is a victory psalm. Historically... It was typical that when a conquering king won a battle or, or defeated an enemy, he would bring back spoils of war from the conquered enemy. And here, Paul is saying, having Jesus, having triumphed over the enemies of sin, death, hell, and, and Satan in the grave, that our Savior gave his church gifts so that they might minister to one another. So Paul's equating the spiritual gifts that Christ gives to his church as part of the spoils, the victory of his ascension. So Paul's telling us that the spiritual gifts have their origin in the victory of Christ over death, over the grave, and over his enemies. And so it strikes me then that any downplaying or ignoring of the spiritual gifts would be really grievous to the church. For these gifts were secured for us by the ascension of Christ. Our conquering king has given us the spoils of his victory, spiritual gifts by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And these gifts come from Jesus' victory. But Paul doesn't just point us to the victory of Christ. He says, remember that Christ descended. So he's saying Jesus' descent demonstrates that spiritual gifts are intimately related to humility. Did Christ give spiritual gifts to his church because he ascended? Yes, he did. But Paul challenges us with this. How did Jesus come to be in a place where he could ascend? Well, he ascended only because he first descended. And Paul is very intentionally pointing out this link between ascension and descension. And what Paul is showing us is that in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry, the way up was down. Christ descended in order to ascend. And as Jesus taught his disciples, the way to greatness is through service. If we are to employ spiritual gifts in a way that is consistent with the way Jesus gave them to us, we must humble ourselves as he humbled himself. We descend. We, we take the path of the servant. And we take the path of humility. So Paul points us to the humility of Christ and points to Christ as the giver of the gifts because in this passage, Paul's gonna specifically start talking about kind of some of the spiritual leadership gifts. And by gifts, he really means the people, the people who are uniquely gifted to lead and equip the church. So he wants to make sure, hey, before I get to telling you about the leaders of the church, I want you to know that they need to serve with humility. Humility and service is the key to spiritual leadership. Servanthood is the biblical model. So Paul's gonna list five leadership gifts that are foundational to the church. But before we get there, I just wanna talk about spiritual gifts again in general. Because what spiritual leaders of the church are to do is not do all the spiritual ministry of the church, but they're supposed to equip the church body to use their gifts to minister to one another. So let's just reiterate that all followers of Jesus are given gifts. Again, I wanna draw you to 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. These gifts are given so that we can minister to one another. We attain maturity in our faith by meeting together as a community and ministering to one another with the gifts that we have been given. And don't forget this, you can also ask for new gifts. Did you know that? Did you know that you can actually ask for new spiritual gifts? This is what Paul says. The Apostle Paul encourages us, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So the Apostle Paul encourages us to seek out the gifts of the Spirit. It's not like the Spirit cannot give you a new gift or empower you for a time uh, as needed to minister to another person. And so I just encourage you as a church family to look for opportunities to be used by the Holy Spirit to bless, to encourage, to minister to one another in the power of the Spirit through the gifts that are given. Many of these ministry moments will be organic. They're not going to happen under the umbrella of an official church program or an official church ministry. but will happen simply because you're in community with one another, you love one another, and you seek to bless and encourage one another. I'll just give you examples. This, this year we had a lot of transition going on, and I couldn't have a hand in everything. And I'm still relatively new and so what I actually saw is, one of the, the things I saw was when our women's Bible studies and women's uh, events that were planned and organized somewhat organically, as we spent time reconfiguring our official women's ministries, there was women in our church who stepped up to serve in the ways that they were gifted and called to serve. Right? Some women's Bible studies just started. And there was women's events that pe- women were invited to, and there was no real pastoral oversight over that. It was just women ministering to other women. And I was so grateful And so excited to see those things occurring. And as we relaunch our women's ministry, we get to use some of those groups that were formed uh, and some of those leaders as our base to to start from. And then I saw it with things like the Wingmen Ministry, who really, um, they've just been flourishing. And I haven't, I think I was only at the opening barbecue. And it was awesome. We had great hot dogs, and Scott Vleister gave me some uh, hot sauce that was fantastic. Uh, And uh, he's not gonna give it all to you, but like... Just, Scott, if you're here, I'll take more when you're, if you're giving it out. Um, but the men's ministry just kind of just did their thing and, and did such a great job of it. And we had small groups that just started, right? I was trying to piece people together, and sometimes I'd hear that a small group just kind of organically started. And so all that to say, that's exactly what the church needs to do. We need to see what our gifts are, see what the needs are, and, and go and serve one another in love and in humility, Because as we're gonna see in the text as we go a little bit further, you know, my job and the job of the pastoral staff isn't to do every single work of ministry, but our role is actually to equip you all to do the work of ministry and to build up the body so that we serve alongside one another. In addition to the gifts that we have all been given, Christ has also given the church the gift of leaders in the church who will guide, direct, and equip the body. So Paul writes this as we continue in our text. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There's a lot of places I could go with this. We're, we're coming to the end of the sermon here. And so today, instead of analyzing these five gifts, which are really people that, that Christ has given to the church, I wanna talk about the role of spiritual leaders in equipping the people of the church for works of service. And if you want a little explanation on those five roles, I'll try and put some notes up under the sermon when it goes online uh, later this week. But in our church, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know that over the past few years, there's been a lot of transition, a lot of dramatic changes. Jason Kaliba, lead pastor for many years, was called to a new location and I was called and hired to take on that role. Pastor Mike Potker transitioned to a a new job and our financial outlook meant we couldn't hire a replacement for Mike, leaving us in some ways a bit understaffed, which is why there were certain ministries that simply didn't have as much pastoral presence as maybe it would have had in the past. With the amount of change and transition that's gone on, and I haven't even mentioned the complexities of COVID, it would be natural for myself and the rest of the pastoral staff to feel nervous about the future to wonder, how are we going to manage the workload of ministry? And I think all the staff went through moments of feeling a little bit apprehensive about the future, and yet, at the same time as we thought about it and worked on it and prayed about it, there is a sense of optimism, a sense of sure and certain knowledge that God is leading our church into new ways of, of functioning and new ways of being. And as a staff, again, one of the things I think that put us at ease is that we have such an amazing church family, filled with people who have such a wide array of gifts and talents and passions. And so our main job we realized is to steward those gifts well. To make sure that there is a place for your gift gifts to be used by God to build up this church body in knowledge of unity and holiness. And so I just want to take the last bit of the sermon here to walk you through some staff restructuring plans. As we look towards the fall and and recognizing again, we're short uh, Pastor Mike, we were not able to rehire uh, due to some financial constraints, so we had to restructure what we're going to do. But in all this transition that we've had, we actually see opportunity to move further into that direction of being a church that diligently and purposefully equips their people to do the work God called them to do with the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has given them. Now, I just want to, before I jump into the restructure plan, I want to give this word. I've heard of churches that talk about equipping people for service, and what they seem to mean is that they're just going to grab every warm body that they can and jam them into some program of the church that needs someone in it until that person burns out, and then they'll just discard that person and plug in the next warm body. That's not what I mean by equipping you to do the works of service. When I say that, that we want to diligently and purposefully equip you to use your gifts and talents, I don't mean constantly badgering you to serve, serve, serve in the church because we have programs that need to be run. That's not what I mean. I don't wanna be what I call a plug and play church where we're just plugging people in so programs run with little thought to about really equipping people to use their gifts. So what I mean is this. We will, have, we will as a pastoral staff team, invest in you and those of you who are serving in our church or in our community to steward your gifts, your passions, and your talents well. We want to make sure that we are creating opportunity for you to use your gifts. Creating space for you to find out what your gifts even are. Because I know sometimes in the church we don't really talk about spiritual gifts that much. And there's people going, I don't even know what my gift is. Maybe you're wondering, I don't know if I have a gift, but scripture says you do. So let's just, you do have a gift, We just sometimes we don't know what they are yet. And it's not that we haven't been doing this already, but we just want to be really intentional on following Ephesians 4 to make sure that we are diligent in equipping you. So there's three things as as a staff that we're going to commit to doing for you as, as our congregation. We're going to equip you. And some of this equipping is done simply through learning. It's through sermons and small groups and Bible studies. We're going to also develop a discipleship pathway using some of our existing programs like Hearing God and Holy Spirit Encounter to help you grow in knowledge and ability. And in addition to this, we're going to commit to making sure that the lay leaders of different ministries will have opportunities to get training for whatever it is that they're engaged in. The next thing is we're going to empower you, we're going to be working to create opportunity for all the different gifts to be used in this church body or to serve in the community of Cochrane. And we're going to work on making it easy to find places to serve, to find places to use your gifts and abilities. And we're going to be intentional on identifying those who are ready and and willing to take on more responsibility to use their gifts in new ways. We're going to come alongside you and coach you and help you. And finally, we're going to encourage you. We want to make sure that serving in this church is not burdensome or simply an obligation. But as you serve in this church, you also grow. And that by serving, you'll be more connected to the church family. And that as you serve, you will in turn be served. The ideal would be that you gain as much as you give in this church as we all serve one another in love and with the, in the gifts and the roles that we've been given. And we also want to make sure that you never feel alone in serving in the church, but that you know that our job as pastors is to support you, pray for you, and work with you. We're not just going to say, okay, go do it and then hang you out to dry. Our door is open uh, for those of you who go... Could you just give me a little bit of hand? Could you give me some help as I run this ministry? Uh, But we really want to make sure that you know uh, that we're for you. And we're going to walk alongside you, and we're going to serve together, side by side. And of course, this is a work in progress, but we've made some changes to the pastoral roles to help us move in this direction and to help distribute the pastoral workload with the loss of Pastor Mike. So just as we're closing here, I'm gonna run you through some of the changes really quickly. I'm not gonna go through their job description, but I'll give you the highlights. So Pastor Jason Dimnick is is having a role change. Uh, He's still gonna have oversight over the youth ministry, but he's also gonna be taking on the title of uh, Pastor of Leadership Development. So he's the Pastor of Youth and Leadership Development. We see Jason helping us identify and train our people for works of service, working with people that are, New to serving with us as well as walking alongside some of our longer serving, more established lay leaders. And he's going to oversee our office support team as well. And to help Jason with this role change, we were able to hire Stacy Morris as our new youth ministry associate. Yeah, Stacy. I don't know if she's here today. I, uh, if I was more on the ball, I would have got the picture of her wearing her taco hat, which I think is just like, yes, that is a youth ministry associate. You have to be wearing a taco hat or something along those lines. So uh, Stacey's coming in for 20 hours a week to help oversee our youth ministry and youth ministry leaders uh, working with Jason. Pastor Donna also is having a role change. She's going to continue to oversee our children's ministry, but we're adding to her title, Community and Connection. So Donna is the pastor of Children, Community and Connection, the three C's. Uh, Don is going to help us in developing new small groups and small group leaders while keeping in touch with and encouraging our existing small groups. Don is going to oversee our front door and usher ministry teams. Don is going to be focused on helping new individuals, couples, and families find connection in our church family and will work on developing places of connection and engagement, which is, you know, again, I, I know that there's a lot of you who are new to Cochrane Alliance Church in the past couple of years, and we want to make sure that, that you have ways of getting connected into this family. And to help Donna take on these other responsibilities, we've asked Laura Nixon to add on an extra day of work to her week to help with all of the prep and admin that goes on behind the scenes, as well as working with the office staff. Donna has also developed an excellent uh, children's ministry uh, team of, uh, there's Laura Nixon and Gwyn Butler, Amanda Krubish. If you didn't know how to say that last name, now you do. I'm pretty sure that's right, Amanda Krubish. That's a hard name, right? but it's great. And uh, so that, that's going to be our, they're going to be helping Donna. They're kind of high level. Dan Clark is there as well. Different aspects of every Sunday Morning Jam Kids program. And as we come into the fall, we still have the excellent leadership of our men's ministry in the wing In the wingman, We're so grateful to the men who are serving there. But I, I do want to give you some new names because we've relaunched our women's ministry. And we'll have more info coming on that late summer. But our leadership team there is Loretta Arkell, Sydney Hebert, and Gwen Butler. And I'm going to call the worship team up to, uh, to get us uh, ready for worship. But I just want to close by saying, as we've made these plans, I've become more excited about what the future holds for our church. There is opportunity here to band together as a spiritual family, all working together, building each other up in the Lord, to see what new things might be birthed in our church family from the variety of gifts and skills that people in our church are blessed with. And there's this opportunity here to kind of continue to push back a little bit against that consumeristic, individualistic faith and church model we sometimes see, and to be countercultural in how we love, how we serve, and how we care for one another. So that's a little bit, sermon was a little bit different today. We've got a barbecue after, but I wanted to let you know of kind of the direction we see the church going as we move into the fall, and just to once again thank you so much for being such an excellent church family. We are just delighted to serve here. Let's worship together.